0: We found our groove in the 2020-2021 National Hockey League season, and now we are looking for some trends to develop in the goaltending world. This is In Goal Radio, the podcast. I'm Darren Millard, along with the co-founders of In Goal Magazine. It's David Hutchison and Kevin Woodley. And as we record this, we are looking forward to a fantastic conversation with San Jose Shark goaltender Devin Dubnik. And I have to think when I say that, San Jose Shark goaltender, Devin Dubnik, after a long stay and a very successful stay in the Midwest uh, with the Minnesota Wild. We will discuss everything under the sun in this uh, extensive conversation that uh, Woody has with the veteran net miner. We'll also take a trip over to the hockey shop, thehockeyshop.com, source for sports Surrey, and discuss twigs with Cam as we bring in the fellas. Uh, How are you guys adapting to this new season? And Dare I say, have you seen any progress in just shaking off the clunkiness
1: of this campaign, Woody? Well, personally, I'm still clunky as hell. Um, so, <laughs> and, and if we actually shared this video with everyone at 7 a.m. Yes. as we record a night after a game that I covered with the Canucks and uh, Senators, um, they would understand what I mean by that. It's, uh, I find it hard to keep up, frankly. Uh, and maybe it's just because I've got a homestand here, six and nine that I'm covering, but I just find it hard to keep. There's there's so many games some nights that it's hard to sort of monitor the trends. You almost have to, you know, every couple of days go through all the stats and sort of figure out like, okay, who's who's playing well? Let's look at the adjusted numbers because on a night-to-night basis to watch all the goals is next to impossible, especially when you're covering a team, as you know too, Darren. Like, like when the Golden Knights are at home, Or even for you on the road, like that's what you're inundated with. So um, there's some weird numbers out there. There's some some really poor defensive play. I've seen a lot of it here that I think ties into a lot of those weird numbers. And I I just wonder how long it's going to take for all this to settle out. I mean, I say that and Marc-Andre Fleury is posting like insane numbers down there in the desert. Um, so some guys are off to a hot start, but we've got Carter Hart smashing sticks. Like it's bizarro world at times, right? Like just things you don't expect. So I don't know. I think it'll probably settle out around the 50, you know, Mike, I think it was Mike McKenna not to give credit to, uh, to, to your partner as I'm talking to you, but I think it was him who once told me I never judge stats on goaltending until we're 20 games into a season problem with this year is that's half a season. That's too long
0: for 20 games is too long.
1: 20 games is, but in terms of settling out the numbers and some of the noise from a slow start, that was a mark that I used to use. I think it was him that told me that. So, man, 20 games this year is halfway through the season. So I I don't know what we do. Um, I think we just enjoy it for now and and accept that there's going to be a lot of variance early. There's going to be a lot of numbers in the 800s because the play in front of goalies, um, you know, maybe isn't reflective of their performance. Certainly seen that here in Vancouver. It's like watching a beer league game at times breakaways, 2-on-0. Chances, yeah. Like, like Thatcher Demko made a breakaway save, a really good one on Nick Suzuki of the Montreal Canadiens, hell of a player, and nobody bothered to pick up the trailer and, and the trailer tapped in the rebound and you're like, like, my phone lights up with all my beer league teammates. Cohen, does that look familiar? It's like, yeah, because yeah, this, this looks like beer league defense at times for some teams. So at the end of all of that, just trying to sit back, enjoy the moment, and be glad that we're back in the rink watching it.
0: Hutch, uh, I'm curious about your uh, viewpoint, because you take in these games uh, as both uh, uh, co-founder of InGoal magazine, but you also have uh, the eye of, uh, of a father and you watch with, uh, with, with Maddie. And so you watch as, as fans uh, as well and, and who you like and, 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 and uh, a less technical viewpoint, but also with, with an a area of attention on that. So what have, what have you seen so far?
2: I think it's been a fascinating start to the year, guys, and and Woody, your point about 20 games is interesting, and Darren, that is a huge chunk of a a short season, Um, but in many ways, maybe they should be given more than 20 games from the analysis standpoint because there was no exhibition season, and I think that's been the fascinating window for us is… is being able to see these guys develop in a way that we wouldn't have before, because yeah, we, we see our local team in, in exhibition season normally, but you, you can't sign on to NHL.com and watch 10 games in a night from all the various exhibition games happening around the league, or at least I haven't in the past. And, and so we've been able to see those early season developments in, in, in technique for guys. And And so, yeah, pre pre normal season, you get that 20 game window, but you also have the exhibition season. So maybe it's 30 before these guys settle in, not 25. I don't know. But but interestingly, yeah, we've been sitting down, I would say, more technical than ever uh, because my son has reached an age where he can see all these things. And so we have discussions over probably driving my wife crazy over virtually every shot that happens out there. And and we could see with
0: uh, that's not a probably, yeah, by yeah, the way. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You, you can take that Guaranteed, word out. Well, of it. she's
2: a trooper for sitting there anyway. But uh but w- we we've got the text flying around talking about just little things that you see in a guy's game early in the season. He's um you know, Thatcher Demko will take for example. He looked way overactive in some of the early games that we saw. He it looked a little bit more beer league ish to me, quite frankly, and then you can see the calmness developing he's doing far less and accomplishing far more and you see that across the league another goaltender we won't mention by name but but i was firing some notes around to a number of guys about how he was really struggling with post integration did he even have the flexibility to do it properly um and and then all of a sudden have watched a few more games with him recently and it's coming back into a more uh you know familiar form so we're getting to see these guys develop their games early on here and it's been a, a fascinating thing for us and a lot of them starting to settle in now, but uh, but still, we get to see a, lo- a lot of interesting things.
1: To me, it's going to be interesting to see if the noise statistically, like can we consider this a normal year statistically? Even as you see some of those technical things start to get, you know, find their groove, Hutchie, which is a great point. Are you going to be able to compare? Is it going to be apples to oranges from one division to the next? I had this conversation with one of my regular Uh, One of the regular weekly radio hits I do in Edmonton, the host pointed out the fact that like the North Division, the Canadian Division, um, has for the past number of years had some of the, you know, like top scorers in the National Hockey League. Like we know Matthews in Toronto and obviously McDavid and Dreisaitl in Edmonton and even even here in Vancouver, Elias Patterson. And so that there, there's so many elite offensive players in this North division. And, and it bears out statistically, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but he said something like 12 of the top 20 um, scores of the past couple of years come from this division. If you're facing that on a nightly basis, especially when you're shorthanded on the power play, where you can have, where that talent can sort of, you know, not face a specific matchup, have the puck, have time, sort of do what they want, dictate the play are your numbers going to be decreased because you happen to be playing in a division that is loaded with that elite offensive talent, maybe say compared to another division. And then the, the, the exclamation point on that is defensively the Canadian teams. And we talked about this using the clear sight analytics numbers, you know, high danger, five on five safe percent, or ch- scoring chances is a real measure of playoff success. Like if you look at how a team does in that during the regular season, it almost translates directly, does translate directly to the last two cup winners and almost by a series by series basis in the playoffs, you put those two numbers head to head, the one with the better numbers wins, all but one series over the past two years. It's a real sort of indicator. Canadian teams, not only are they in the bottom half of the league, like Montreal was with the top team in that, but as a whole, like five of the seven Canadian teams were among the eight worst in the NHL over the last two seasons with that statistic. So you've got all this high-end talent You've got teams that tend to play it a little more open and are more defensively permissive. So does Jacob Markstrom's numbers, for instance, because he's playing those teams nine, 10 times instead of moving around the league, is that, you know, is that going to decrease or deflate his numbers compared to someone who's say playing in a division that's a little more meat and potatoes? It's, I don't know, I don't have the answer, but I just think when we talk about statistically and how long it's going to take till we know. I don't know that you're ever going to be able to compare North Division to East Division this year like we have in past seasons. I'm mean, certainly advanced numbers are going to be more important to weight scoring chances and quality of them, and that's where clear sight will help, but at the end of the day the raw numbers especially this year I think could be even more off than they are in regular seasons.
0: What about the goaltenders, and we had so many of them this year on the carousel that joined new teams and are in the relatively early stages of working with their new goalie coach. And maybe there's some different or tweaked philosophies there.
1: It's like, we just saw Matt Murray. I just saw him for the first time sort of live last night. Um, And it was interesting, tough night for him. Um, Coach was hard on him last night. And not a great night. Like, there's no way, like, you're not putting lipstick on that. Um, But I watched other elements of his game, and I really liked them. Like, I could see some of the changes. Um, But then I watched Hutch mention post-integration for him. and, And you can, you know, I know there's some changes that have been made there. And I think it's going to make him a better goaltender. But there were times in that game where he sort of missed his spots in the new techniques. And it cost him being a half second late getting across here or there. And you're like, so it's a missed execution, but you know it's something he hasn't done until this year. Like, he hasn't played it that way. He wasn't taught that way in Pittsburgh. And so it's brand new to him. You know that this will help him in the long run. But, you know, on a case where there's a low high pass and he just misses with the post-integration that would allow him to maybe have a better chance at that, you're like, okay, like long term, he's better for this. But right now, you could argue that cost him that goal. So. Yeah, it's a great point. Um, you know, I think for guys who are being asked to make big changes, uh, having a season like this and no preseason and less time to work, that that's even tougher. So it would be fascinating to see where this goes. Um, a guy like Dubnik, say, going to San Jose, um, you know, to tease our, our, our feature guest here, uh, he's not making, he's not reinventing the wheel there, right? Like his game is set. We talk about his foundations in this interview, and I don't think that's going to change for him. But for guys who are being introduced to a lot of new philosophies, Jake Allen. Here, for in-goal premium members uh, that read our our new pro drills this week, we had a quick wide drill, breakaway drill, that Stefan Waite explained to us. And you had Jake Allen, you had Charlie Lindgren. And when I watched them, both that drill and another drill uh, on rebounds off the rush that they did that we'll share in a couple of weeks, you could see the difference in backwards flow between Jake Allen and Charlie Lindgren. Lindgren out further, out earlier, more drift in his game. Jake, who doesn't play with a lot of that in his game, much less so. But Stefan talking about trying to get more of it in Jake's game and Jake talking about it's going to be situational for me. It's not like he wants me to do it all the time. But yeah, I'm trying to get more comfortable with, you know, having a little bit more of that flow in my game. So, that, you know, again, weight's not trying to change him, but he is slowly trying to introduce something that wasn't really a part of Jake's game very much over the past couple of years. So yeah, there are changes, new voices, new ideas, and and it's going to take a while for some guys to sort of, you know, put that into their game.
2: I think one of the things that's important in all that though, Woody, is that coach-athlete dynamic and how those various groupings are, are going to respond. That was a great article you put together uh, over at Premium. And one of the things I noticed in it was, was Alan talking about the fact that Steph is just trying to check some early season boxes and to, to work through some fairly basic things right now. And they're not really going to push too hard until later in the season. He did say it would probably come around. You might have another situation where, whether it's a younger coach or a younger goaltender trying to do maybe a little bit more early in the season without the benefit of the exhibition season to, to groove some of those things. Maybe that won't work as, as well. Like y- You've got all sorts of different possibilities there. Uh, depending on the experience level of the coach and the experience level of the goaltender. It sounds like Jake Allen has that that time in the game and that confidence to be able to to work with his coach and find what works for both of them. As a you know, you might have a young guy who come in and just want to please so badly that he's he's gonna change his game quite a bit. So how do those things work out? Totally. Yeah. You're right.
1: Well and the other part is we don't know how long like there's a massive difference here and, and like I know some of the cases personally, but I don't I think most of us don't know in each case, how long have they worked together? There are some guys that were in their town and, and in that group two um, protocol early and have been working together on small details, not in a team environment, just working with their goalie coach for a month, month and a half before training camp opened. There are other guys who, first time they saw a new coach, was at training camp. So that plays into this as well. How much time have you had to try and institute those changes? And on a case by case basis, um, like again, there's somewhere I know who got there early and who didn't. But even I, you know, having checked around the league, there's still a lot where I just have no idea. Did that guy just start working on this when he got there? Did he get there two days before camp? Has he been there for a month? There's a lot of, in a season with so many ups and downs and variables, that's another, another sort of, there's a lot of variance from team to team and goalie to goalie in that regard as well.
0: And that's for the, like the top two guys. Think about uh, the trickle down effect and how that affects the third guy in the organization, or the fourth, or the fifth, the, the the American Hockey League goaltenders, and have to adjust to uh, to a change of scenery because we know that there's even more movement on on that front. But I th- I also think it's a great lesson for uh, parents and goalies, minor hockey, and going into junior who change teams every year, like to watch this and see how it develops. And because you could, you do have to be patient. And coaches Hutch, that's an awesome point too coaches have to be uh patient with this as well with their goaltenders because they're eager there's anxiety about uh wanting to prove your uh, skill level but also uh be in a position where they absorb and and use it and there has to be a meeting in the middle almost uh, on that front uh, the hockey shop the hockeyshop.com source for sports surrey, it presents our gear segment we have devin dubnik coming up in our feature interview presented by Sense Arena. And I'm really curious about his relationship with uh, Evgeny Nabokov and uh, how that's going uh, with San Jose. So we'll uh, pick uh, Woody's brain on that. But uh, the gear segment this week uh, over at the hockey shop, dealing with some sticks. And uh, what can you tell us about what's going on with Cam and the gang over at the hockey shop?
1: Yeah, well, uh, as you're here, we're going to go through the Warrior V1 line, and that means like five different models that he's got there. He's got like half his stick rack right now is Warrior V1. So we figured it was time to help him clear way for the new inventory coming this spring, which I believe in Warrior's case will be V2. Uh, they've also got the, uh, the M1 line this year as well. Um, and that means great savings. Now, there's been great savings at the hockey shop for a while. It's time to sort of clear off the shelves of last year's inventory, make way for the new stuff that is showing up soon. Yay! Exciting times in the goalie world. And of course, we'll go through all those new lines with Cam at the hockey shop. But right now it's time to save. And there have been specials, but we've got an even bigger special for you. These sticks discounted deeply. Make sure you check it out at the hockey Search the warrior stick line. Uh, find the one that's right for you. Call Cam, annoy him with all kinds of questions about exactly how many grams each one weighs. Punish him for not having that at the tip of his fingers, as we did this segment. Um, send them emails, ask them questions, get online, and then at the end of it all, for anything that's not already on sale, make sure you use the InGoal20 discount code when you check out for additional savings. The beauty of this InGoal20 discount code, again, on anything not map protected or or on sale already is it applies on both sides of the border. So you'll save money as an American if you're ordering and having it shipped across the border. The other beauty, these warrior sticks that are massively on sale, they're also not border protected. So you they can ship them across the border. Uh, so you can basically take off the exchange on that. So some great savings at the hockey shop, thehockeyshop.com. Whether you're here in the Lower Mainland, you can go and visit them in person um, and I, I cam in person or whether it's just over the phone and online. Definitely worth the trip to the hockey shop and thehockeyshop.com. Uh, you're going to save money and you can ask them all kinds of questions to make sure that when you do save money, you get the right gear for you and your game. Can we just phone up Cam and like talk about the
0: weather? You should. traffic? Like just, just to annoy him? Anything?
2: I think everybody should, yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah Highly okay. encouraged. Uh, let's, let's, do, let's do that. And Until he gets that 1-800 number down pat, I'm going to just phone him up and, and talk to him about Ant Hills. Start started with and what, what he told me to call. That. <laughs> that's a that's a great point uh you see them across the national hockey league the warrior sticks uh let's get into it with the v1 line it's our gear segment presented by the hockey shop thehockeyshot.com and source for sports surrey <music>
1: Welcome back to the hockey shop source for sports. We're here in the stick room, the shooting room, where, of course, you can come and test out your sticks. We do allow players down here or Cam allows players down here. Um, although sometimes I have seen him go around chopping the players like they're coming into his crease, but no, I'm just kidding. Like, don't be scared. You get to come down here, test your sticks. Cam will tape one up if you want to test the flex in the shooting on a goalie stick as well. Uh, today, though, um, after laughing at Cam's muffin of a shot before we came in, um, we're going to talk about the Warrior V1 line. Now, I've got a special colorway here. We'll get to that in a minute. But first off, Cam, we wanted to talk about this one for a couple of reasons. One, this is a model we're seeing used a lot in the NHL. And two, maybe best of all, it's one you've got on sale through, there's multiple variations, different
3: options within the V1 line, and you've got them all on sale right now. That's correct. Yeah, we got quite a few different options, quite a few different price points, lots of curves, lots of sizes, lots of different colorways. I mean, you're holding one of the, the SE models, which is uh, one of their like special edition colorways in particular. Uh, nice look to it. I love the blacked out look. Um, but yeah, why don't we start at the, the base price point and kind of move our way up. All right, so the base price point is... So we have the Warrior V1 Senior stick in particular. So what kind of sets this aside and how they kind of tear up their lineups is the carbon count inside the stick. So this one features their minimum 600 carbon. So it'll be, um, it'll feel the heaviest in your hand on this stick. So a little bit more solid. It kind of comes in, or it started coming in at about that 120 price point. We have it on sale for 95 bucks and 98 cents, and that's Canadian folks. And if
1: I'm not mistaken here, this is a product for you Americans whose dollar's worth a whole ton more.
3: This'll ship across the border. No problem to send this across the border. So uh, great price points and great deals to be had. Okay, so this is the base model. Correct. Let's move up to the next
1: one. I'll hold that. I'm gonna collect the sticks. All right. At this price, I'm probably
3: just gonna buy them all. So stepping up to the uh, Warrior V1 Senior Plus, what changes? Carbon count goes up, so the stick gets a little bit lighter. They also include their slide grip on the shaft. Uh, I noticed, especially through myself, um, that it really helps in terms of for poke checking. Uh, it allows to slide up all the way up to wherever you have your grip or your knob. Um, nice feature. Other than that, uh, nothing too exciting. Again, your basic composite stick, originally coming in at around that uh, 190 price point. We have it on sale for one fifty one ninety
1: eight. So wow, that's like uh, that's like almost a full forty bucks off. And again, that's Canadian pricing. And you've got multiple curves and patterns available on this one. Correct. Um, the difference between like when you start to change, we're talking weight changes in terms of when you get into the different carbon.
3: Yes. Layouts. So the carbon uh, count gets actually tighter, and that helps to weave to be a little bit stronger, and also uh, allows a bit of a weight savings as well. What about from a
1: flex standpoint? How, where, do these, where do these fit in and how do they change between these two first two models we've looked
3: at? In terms of Warrior's line, the V1 line is going to be the stiffer line. Uh, they do have their M1 line which they've, uh, they've kind of made it, created a cutout in the back of the stick. But a little bit more designed for flex so in terms of your shooting. Uh, this is a bit more rigid of a stick. Uh, one more quick note with the uh, Senior Plus, it's something that is actually being used in the NHL right now. Uh, Robin Leonard actually walked into the store and pretty much bought a Senior Plus off the wall. Um, so Warrior's been making that model for him. You can even uh, see the Senior Plus call out on the stick itself. So some NHL ratification for what is the you know 200 and below price point.
1: Okay, let's move up to the next line or the next model up in the uh, V1 line. So those that
3: are familiar with the Warrior sticks and remember the CR line, this is basically the CR1 of last uh, year, the V1 Pro here. Um, Similar makeup to that same stick. Uh, Basically not a whole lot's actually changed from it. Same carbon count, same general feel of the stick. So if you really like that CR1, you can find it in the V1 Pro. A couple different extra, you know, exclusive colorways with this one too. I'm holding the white out version as well. Uh, Kevin's just holding the uh, regular uh, black standard graphic version. Uh, What is a 250 stick on for 200? Great feel. Very durable. Good puck playing. Can't say enough good things about it. Okay, so this, I've got
1: in my hand the V1 Pro and you've got the V1 Pro SE. Differences? Correct, just colorway. Okay, so strictly just a color difference. And then this dandy here is the Pro SE, so again, more color options. Correct. Okay. Same flex in terms of flex between these ones?
3: Yes, yes. Nothing
1: changes other than just colorway. And carbon count?
3: Yes. And price? And price. As you check up to the line. Okay.
1: All those deals, we'll have them listed for you. All on sale right now at the Hockey Shop and thehockeyshop.com. All shippable to the U.S. where you can get that extra discount for your American dollar. Um, Cam mentioned the M1 stick. That one is not on sale right now, uh, but we'll have a review on that one a little bit later. He has that in stock. If you're interested or got questions about the flex on it, make sure you check him out. Call him. Where can they get you, Cam? But wait, there's More? More. We forgot about
3: the Pro Plus. We have another stick? We have one more. Too excited to get out of here. We almost forgot about the Pro Plus stick. I was actually just gonna take all the sticks and go before he noticed, but I (laughs) guess we're sticking around. So we got a whole, how many sticks they got in this line? Four lines, or four, uh, four different tiers in the lineup. Last but not least, the V1 Pro Plus. This will be their lightest offering that they carry in the v1 line in particular um again higher carbon count great weight gain balance to the feel of the stick this one features their 1200 millimeters carbon so 200 more than the C or v1 uh nice tape job on there by me a little bit earlier we'll talk about that later but that said what is a 350 price point is brought down to 280 canadian I, I got to keep saying that because for, our, you know, our American listeners
1: and viewers like that's like, what do we add about a 70 cent dollar right now? It's like something like that. It's a couple of cups of coffee for this twig. That's a hell of a deal, Cam. And again, we said it before, but same interior just gets a little lighter. Carbon changes. But in terms of flex and feel largely the same. Correct. Nice. OK, well, I already mentioned the M1. Uh, that's the uh, that's this year's the newer model, a uh, little more flex through the paddle in terms of a little easier shooting. They've got it in stock here. If you got any questions about that model, you can hit them up, get your answers at thehockeyshop.com or you can ask Cam in person by calling him at 604-589-8299. And for our American customers, who want to call the international line to save even more money with their exchange. 1-800.
3: 567
0: 7790 Cam, how do you not know this yet? Get it together. Hutch is getting tired of saving you.
1: Folks, uh, thanks Cam for walking us through this, letting us laugh at your muffin of a shot. Uh, we'll be back next week with more from the Hockey Shop and theHockeyShop.com.
3: Thanks Cam.
0: Great job. And, and before we get back to the six, can I just make one point because I know I'll forget, is the video segment that what you and Cam did on the integration between the upper body and the pants on the Bauer line was some of the funniest stuff I've seen uh, on Instagram. Well done, and it was hilarious, and it kind of got the point across. But, but really. Really well done, and and a sense of humor, a dad, little dad humor, but uh, but a sense of humor.
1: Yeah, it was a little dad humor. My daughter basically just told me, "Oh my God, you're so like you're so old, like you're such a but dad. it was good." Like, she's laughing at me, not with me on that one. Yeah. But hey, we gotta have laughing. some fun, and yeah, is yeah. exactly. And um, I I gotta point out because we did have some people pointed out, including my wife, because that just we just shared that this week. A lot of people have said, "Wear the masks, boys." Um, we filmed that. If you remember when we did the 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 Bauer chest and arm, um, yep. we originally filmed this segment like it's, it's got to be almost three months ago now, maybe a little more. Um, and there were the indoor mask rules. First of all, we're in the store before anyone else. As you can see in the video, we maintained six feet apart. Um, there's nobody else in there with us, but there were no mask rules in B.C. at the time in terms of indoors. Um, and actually before the mask rules became mandatory, we started wearing the mask. So for anybody who's offended by it, absolutely right. We should have been wearing masks, but just so you know, it was three months ago before those rules sort of came into effect. So, um, we aren't in there right now. Every time you hear us this week, every time you hear us now, including this segment with the warrior sticks, it's a little bit muffled, um, because we've had to put the microphone outside of our mask and we're taking all those precautions and they're taking all those precautions at the hockey shop, uh, in person when you go to visit them in Surrey.
0: We have to get Hutch to put a little font up that says "originally recorded." On such cross and such my a mind because there's a
2: comment on everything from somebody.
0: Well, I just think it's it, Woody. Woody had suggestions for you to, to do something earlier, so I just want to lump into the into the putting more work on your. Oh plate. no,
2: problem at all. And then of course Cam, every episode has me <laughs> throw something in too. So at least I get to be creative every day.
0: Uh, by the way, the the Warrior sticks uh, we do see a lot of them in the National Hockey League.
1: Yeah, and that's the model. That's so so save some money on the model you see. Save a lot of money on the model you see by checking them out at thehockeyshop.com. Uh that V1 is the most popular line. Now, and speaking of money in the Warrior V1, like the one thing that I, you know, it's nothing against the stick cuz guys aren't going to guys aren't going to use the stick if it doesn't work and if it doesn't perform. Um so, but the reality is is in terms of contracts and equipment contracts, Warrior's one of the few that have a stick only deal and so uh, amid all the hype that comes with how many people are using that stick in the National Hockey League, I think you have to throw the caveat out there that um, there aren't. There's only one other company that pays you, gives you a contract just to use a stick, and nobody that I know of that pays that you know the rates that we're talking there. So, little grain of salt there. But again, guys aren't using it if it doesn't work for them. So, you know, kudos to Warrior for. Uh, you know, finding something that uh, you know guys guys are willing to use, and a lot of them in the National Hockey League use the Warrior V1. If you want to try it out yourself, now's a great time. Massive savings at thehockeyshop.com.
0: Hutch, I want some advice right now. I order a Warrior V1 stick. I've traditionally used a 26 inch paddle because that's just all I've ever really known. Should I go down half an inch uh, just because of the, the way the game's changing, or should oh? Two two parts I'm getting to that. Signals. two parts to that. Okay. So Woody,
2: Woody's just thinking maybe I don't know, but we've ordered some warrior sticks this this year and last year, and you actually because of the way they size their paddles, you have to go up. I think it's an inch. Um yeah. Cool. So so if you're used to a twenty six, I think it's a twenty seven and a warrior. But do call Cam and be sure. Yeah, no, it's true, Darren. And uh and but then you and I have been talking about something completely separate, which is should you try something a little smaller? Uh, there's a bit of a trend I've seen of guys going to smaller paddles because we make uh, pretty much zero stick saves while standing on our feet. And I find it funny when people get all over Connor Hellebuck for his stance, you know, that one where the, the paddle's almost horizontal yeah. and uh, because we make no stick saves and uh, I, unless we're on our knees. So I, I believe that the stick should be sized so that when you're down in your butterfly, Uh, you're using it properly without, you know, if the paddle's too long, you open up these great big holes under your arms. And, uh, so I think you should experiment with something smaller. We saw Kerry experimenting with, uh, with some different, uh, paddle sizes a couple of summers ago. Uh, it was interesting that, that he was doing it in half inch increments and it only took him about 10 shots to decide whether he was comfortable with them or not. But, uh, yeah, that's my, my thoughts on, um, on paddle size, Darren, I think it's worth experimenting pretty tough uh with what we're paying for sticks to to experiment with too many different sizes but uh, sales like this mm. at the hockey shop certainly give you some options
0: i did not know that the 27 inches wasn't 27 inches everywhere
1: no warrior tends to be a little smaller so yeah you can pretty much add a, add you know go one size up to be the equivalent to say you know your ccm or your bauer you usually have to to factor that in. That's why I was giving you the hands. Yeah, I understand there. skates and skate sizes and they can be different and all that kind of stuff.
0: But what like twenty six inches should be twenty six inches across the board. That's it probably should I'm be, but, but where do like, you
2: measure it from?
0: Well this it should be a standard I know, but it's just that sticks. those
2: heels are so curved. I don't I actually don't even yeah, know how to get them.
0: So I know.
2: Probably I should uh, yeah, we, good, we can ask good Cam good to show us that. how to measure a stick uh in one of your segments. Ooh, Woody there's a good idea.
0: Mm-hmm. They 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 have to have a standard measurement for, for illegal sticks measuring that. Good point. Not that, Good uh, point. uh, so anyway, uh, Devin Dubnik, a long time national hockey leaguer, and boy, was he on a trip, uh, a few years ago and then found his long-term home in Minnesota and that remains his family's home, but he will spend this winter in San Jose or we thought it was going to be San Jose because they're playing right now out of Arizona and will actually uh, begin their home schedule, uh, in Arizona, a date against the Vegas Golden Knights because they're still not allowed to play in Santa Clara County. So tee up the feature interview, Woody, uh, brought to you by Sense Arena with Devin Dubnik.
1: Hard to know where to start, to be honest with you. Um, There's just so much that we go through here. We touch on everything from, you know, minor hockey days. Duby is one of these guys who, when he's done playing, if he wants to coach, he will be a hell of a goalie coach. He wants to be an analyst, he'll be a hell of an analyst. He's honest, he's open um he has a memory where he can you can tell him a goal from a game five years ago and he'll describe it to you um he really has a passion for the position and that's why as we talk about in this interview like him and nabby uh the new sharks goalie coach of jenny nabakov like when they do a video session i'm like that's gonna be like for sure book double the length of time because you two are just gonna start talking like philosophies and Concepts and sure enough, he said the first video session definitely went over. So, um, just just a guy that is really good to talk about the position with. And so I was, I was happy that we were able to. The downside for him is t- you know tough for that entire team to be away from home um, and basically on the road and living in a hotel room. Him, it's double whammy um, with his family back in Minnesota, his young family back in Minnesota. Uh, amid all the uncertainty, why make them go to a new city that he's actually as as we've seen not going to end up in? But The upside for us selfishly is that he's stuck in a hotel. He's not allowed to do much. And that means he's got time for us. So we spent a good hour here with Duby going over everything Um, career arc, uh, how things changed in Arizona, and then the trade to Minnesota, um, technical philosophies, tips, keys you name it, we touched on it. It's a good long hour interview. And uh, I I believe it's worth investing the entire hour to listen to everything because he's always got some great advice. Settle in and enjoy. Devin Dubnik, the feature
0: interview on Ingold Radio, the podcast presented by Sense Arena.
2: Speaking of Sense Arena, guys, um, we're really thankful that they're sponsoring the feature interview every week. And we're fortunate that we've been working with Sense Arena for uh, quite some time now. One of the things I wanted to point out this week, guys, is uh, the feedback that you get after every drill you do with Sense Arena. You get this full profile that wouldn't it be amazing if we could get this kind of feedback when we're on the ice so for example you finish a drill you get a report that will give you how well were you tracking the puck a percentage 80 percent 90 percent uh what was your reaction time like right down to the millisecond the time it takes from the moment that puck moves until you make your first motion uh what are your angles like and even though you don't necessarily know how to improve those things. I mean, it doesn't say this is the moment that your puck tracking was on or off. I think they're working on that for us because we suggested it. Uh, It really drills you in or dials you in for that next session, uh, those next shots you're taking, and you can actually see the tracking improve. You can actually see your reaction time improve. And then if you really want to review a drill you've done, again, I'd love to do this on the ice, you can um, review, the drill that you've just done, either from your own perspective or from the shooter's perspective, and and when it's the goaltender's perspective, you can actually sort of move around a little bit and get a feel for how that glove was positioned, how the blocker was positioned. The feedback is is absolutely tremendous, and uh, something I'd love to see us be able to get a little bit more of on the ice, and and that's just another reason that Sensorena has been a fantastic tool to work with. And whether it's amateur goaltenders or professional goaltenders we're talking to, uh, the feeling is you work with sense arena in the morning or before you hit the ice, you can see the results immediately uh, as you get to the ice that day
0: really gives you something to target and achieve uh, strive for a goal and, uh, and to increase your your performance uh, That's sense arena VR presenting our feature interview with Devin Dubnik
1: I guess the first thing, Devin, I wanted to ask you about was, was just mindset. Um, new team, new season with so much in terms of potential distraction going on around the league and around this team and, and you in a new environment. Like, how do, you, how do you go into that with the right mindset make sure you're focused on the right things? How do you approach it?
4: Well, it's, I mean, it's a different scenario, that's for sure. Um, it's strange. It feels like, uh, you know, the last time I played was, was in the bubble. Um, Maybe the last time I was doing hockey anyway was in the bubble and uh and now we're kind of seems to be back to the same thing here, uh being in Arizona and being away from family and whatnot and and uh you forget that that the rest of the league's not doing it, so it's like you you kind of get used to it i mean the thing when you when you're in the bubble you you realize that every other guy there was doing the same thing you were, so you know it was it was fine um and then you you kind of feel that way now because that's what I was used to. But then you you realize that that no one else is doing what we're doing so it's uh it's it, it's frustrating I mean every every guy here misses their family and uh myself included and it's a it's a difficult situation but I think as a group we've done a pretty good job of just understanding that that this is the way it is right now and I mean what are you what are you going to do you can you can sit there and worry about it and and complain about it and feel bad about it or you can just Take it for what it is, and and uh, I think I think this group has done a pretty good job of of being positive about about the situation. And there hasn't been uh, you know there's not a not a lot of negativity, not a lot of complaining. We're just here, and you know Scottsdale's not the worst place in the world to to be either, uh, which certainly helps. It's perfectly uh, twenty degrees and sunny every day, so that that certainly helps the mood. Um, but it's a it's a strange scenario for sure
1: well with uh with the testimonial like that, Eddie's going to have you selling houses for him. What's the over under on how many places he's tried to sell you so far?
4: <laughs> none yet, none yet um but uh yeah i haven't uh, i haven't I haven't spoke to him too much because we're not allowed to see anybody outside of our of our uh little group here so uh but I don't know i don't think uh, I don't think there has to be a lot of pushing involved to to realize how nice this place is.
1: What about mindset with a new team? What goes into, what's the toughest part coming into a new environment as a goaltender at that level, Devin? Um, you obviously have a relationship with Nabokov. I've, I've seen you guys on the ice up in Kelowna at least that one summer. You know Adam Francilia. What What's the toughest part of fitting in with a new team? Systems? Is it X's and O's and where guys player? Is it personal tendencies of defensemen? There's a lot that goes into it.
4: Yeah, I think well, I mean, I don't know. I think that'll that'll all come about when we start playing games. Um it's certainly easier to uh get adjusted and get acquainted with the group when you know in a scenario like this where you you're with the team to start the season. Uh you know, come here for training camp. We've been here for a couple of weeks and and getting to know guys. I mean, there's lots of time to to get to do that. So it's certainly different than than being traded mid-season where where you roll in and and you know, everyone's in their routine and the season's going on and you just hop in a game and go. Um, so it's been it's been fine that way. Um, feel like I know know a lot of these guys. I think when you when you play as long uh as I have, you just kind of feel like you know guys from from just being in the league and playing against them. I've played with world championships with a few of the guys here and, and uh, a really good group. So uh f- you know, getting to know guys and getting acquainted and fitting in is the easy part. I think you know, you want to, you want to come in and and impress guys and, and, uh, you want, you want guys to, to be comfortable and confident with you in there. And, um, so that's always a a thing with a new team that you want to, you want to go out and make sure you're impressing guys and, and, uh, make them feel good about it. But at the same time, I think I've played enough games against, against the Sharks and against most of these guys on this team that they know what I'm about and they know, uh, you know, they know what I'll bring to to the game when, when it's my turn to play. And, and uh, you just got to be comfortable and, and confident in that.
1: Do you have any uh, past experiences with Martin Jones? He's obviously a guy we know a little bit here and have gotten to know a little bit here in Vancouver as uh, sort of being his home base um, you know, from the end goal standpoint. Do you have any history with him at all or did you have any relationship?
4: I met him uh, at the All-Star game in L.A. It was the, was the only time I've really... Uh, uh, had a chance to interact with them. So, I mean, you get to, you get to know somebody a little bit, you share a dressing room with them. not obviously nothing, nothing deeper or personal that you get into, but it's always nice to have uh, familiarity with the guy. And then obviously, you know, I've seen him, him play a ton of games and, and vice versa. So, um, you know, I'm always big on, on having a good relationship with, uh, with your goalie partner. I think it's extremely important. And I think that'll be a, a big thing here as well.
1: Obviously, he's done some work this summer, I guess for for a lot of the your new teammates. It's been a long summer right since March. Um, I know he spent some time with Adam Francilia, who of course you've worked with for years, and there are some new concepts there for him in terms of movement and mechanics and stuff. These are concepts that you're familiar with that you, that you I think would probably cite as a foundation of your game is there like is there are there conversations with the three of you? I'm trying to figure out whether you can actually feed off a guy can he learn from you does he ask you questions are you guys bouncing stuff off each other I know it's early in that relationship but do you think do you get to that point or do you get to that point early
4: uh you know not not too much right now I think uh he's he's not a you know he's he's not a young guy uh by any means he's played he's played a lot of games uh you know I consider him a veteran guy and so you know I'm not gonna I'm not gonna sit there and watch him do drills and and tell him what I see, uh, you know, I'm not his goalie coach, I'm his, I'm his partner. And, uh, you know, from what I've seen, he looks great. And, and, um, you know, I know he put in, put in a lot of work and a lot of time with, with Adam. So I'm sure he, he understands a lot of the stuff anyway. So I think, uh, you know, being, being with a veteran guy, like he is, uh, those, those conversations that happen a little more organically. Um, and, you know, I'm al- always one that, that likes to talk about scenarios and games and, and what happens and uh but everybody's different. So uh, you know, we haven't we haven't had a chance with the season as a starter yet. So we'll we'll kind of see how it goes. But we'll certainly uh you know that's that's up to, to him and how he, he wants to do it as well. Um, you know, not every guy's the same and if he wants to if he wants to have a conversation about every play that crosses the blue line, I'm I'm happy to do it. And if he doesn't want to talk anything about hockey, I'm happy to do that too and talk about other things. So um he seems like a super nice guy and looks like he's moving well in there um thus far so i think it'll be uh it'll be a good relationship
1: well i've seen you and nabby have conversations around drills up in cologne i can imagine there's going to be no shortage there in terms of when you two are in a video room like i know how much you like to watch the game and break down the game like i'm guessing that's going to be a fun partnership
4: yeah it's been it's been great so far um and he knows uh he knows I'm good with with talking during practice and and just pointing out little things in practice. Uh, whatever he's seeing, um, you know I'm happy to make adjustments uh, on the fly. And uh, yeah, we had our first video meeting a few days ago, and it uh, it ran a little longer than than uh, the the scheduled time allotment. I think he had to kick me out of there because he had some video with the younger kids too. So no no surprise that I got punted out of the out of the room on that one.
1: Well, where does, where does video, like, how do you, how do you use that? Where do you work it in? Like, I think a lot of, especially young goalers, that li, goalies that listen to this, Devin, um, you know, maybe some of them are, you know, we're seeing it now at Bantam, they're getting access to video. Um, you know, how do you utilize it and make sure you're utilizing it the right way? If you, can you overanalyze and, and get almost paralyzed by it? How do you find that balance as you've gone on in your career?
4: Well, you, I mean, you can definitely overanalyze, but I think, again, that's a, that's a person to person individual basis because uh some personalities some some kids some some grown-ups some professionals they they'll love it and they you know they thrive off of breaking down every single play and then you'll have other guys that you know don't really want to do that they maybe maybe want to peek at it once in a while but they'd rather just go and play and i think that that kind of tailors to the individual i think uh an important thing is you, you can't just go back at a game and just watch the goals and and try to break down what happened on the goals, I think, or even, you know, a single play in general, I think that the important thing is, is, is going through video, um, trying to find things. If if there's certain things that seem to be creeping in consistently, that, that seems to be coming a tendency that maybe hasn't, hasn't bit you yet, but you're kind of walking the, walking the, the line uh, where it's, where it will uh, come back. I think it's good to, to bite that stuff right away and get on it. Uh, and it's important to to look at things that are working well. You know what uh, what are you doing in games that that is uh, allowing you to play well and and be comfortable and and uh, not just not just look at the goals and the breakdowns of what happened on the goals, uh, but also also look at some good things and and look at some of those tendencies. But like I said, I think uh, that that goes uh, individual to individual on how uh, how much guys uh, enjoy watching video, want to watch video. And, uh, that doesn't mean just because someone's 15, 16 years old that they should be watching a ton of video if that doesn't work for them. Um, you know, you gotta, you gotta find a way and that's what, that's what good coaches do. That's what a, what a coach's job is.
1: I was going to say, it's a coach that can lead that conversation a lot of the times too, but when you're looking at your own video, are there certain things like, I guess the, the other side of this question Are there certain, the things that you see as a foundation that you're looking for in terms of when you're, when I'm playing well, it looks like this
4: for me, you know, I, have my things that I talk about for just being my foundation and that's, you know, a, I, 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 you know, a big part, if not the biggest part is just having my feet set. And, uh, you know, I don't play super far out. I don't play super deep either. It's kind of a, an in-between. And when I'm in that area, uh, you know, my feet are set. I'm too far out. I usually will, will start to drift as the play comes towards me. Cause I think instinctually you're always going to find your way back to where you're, comfortable being so if you try to force yourself playing out further than you're comfortable as the play gets to you you're going to naturally uh, retreat to where you want to play and then that's where you get the movement and the drift and uh, for me watching video is just watching that exact thing am i in the right spot am i are my feet set you know when the shot's coming when the play is coming are my feet set and then i'm moving or am i drifting and and kind of over anticipating and that that leaves you vulnerable uh you know on direct shots or or rebounds you know when you end up if you're drifting a little bit you know even if you make that save something's in front you end up sliding backwards and then you know maybe you're deeper than you need to be so just things like that um finding my my depth what what i'm comfortable with and and when i'm there just making sure my feet are set and and usually from there I'm feeling good in the net and and can read plays and and react and and not uh not feel like I need to over anticipate or, or or guess what's going to happen before it happens.
1: We have a lot of times goalies at all ages right up to pro like finding that depth that they're comfortable with can be, you know, can be a big question mark um especially for kids as they're coming up. I remember you sharing a lesson from from Sean Burke in Arizona. I wonder if you could reiterate that again in terms of Uh, sort of just a ground rule that he gave you in terms of that depth and and how to know when maybe you're taking too much ice.
4: Yeah. So he said, you know, I didn't know what to expect going in there. I know obviously Smitty plays super deep, Mike Smith. So, um, going in, uh, I didn't know. And and Berkey played pretty deep, uh, as well. Um, and so I didn't know going in, if that was going to be the expectation, if I should, if I was going to be super deep in my crease, but, all Berkey said to me, like he, he told me he didn't care where I stood in the crease. Uh, he said, as long as your feet are set and when a, when a pass comes, when a play comes, that you, can, that you can get over there on your feet, beat the puck, and stop and be set. So whatever the scenario, he didn't care where I was in the crease as long as I was capable of doing that. So obviously if it was a uh, play that was a little more in tight, might need to be a little bit deeper to get to get over a little bit quicker. If it's further out, it can be out at the top of my crease. But it was all about being getting out, getting over, getting a push, getting stopped, getting set on your feet, on your edges. And wherever you were able to comfortably be in the crease to do that, that was it. He didn't care where that was. Some guys, some guys play with a lot of movement and a lot of flow. And that's that's how they feel comfortable. Some guys come way out and move way back and and move around a lot and that's that's what makes them feel comfortable and that's what makes them successful other guys are are deep and they're they're stationary they're more set push stop you know not not as much uh forward and back motion and it's important to find uh kind of find that that in between for every guy whether whether it's that that motion or or a little bit deeper and pushing and stopping and for me it's it's those set feet
1: it's funny because the game has changed at the NHL level in terms of the types of attacks you guys are seeing. I mean, East-West plays are up. The skill is obviously through the roof in terms of players. That feet set as a mantra. We talked to Billy Ranford about this this summer. He was kind of with the pause. He was reaching out to as many people as he could and talking, and that seemed to be the one that struck home with him. And it, it just seems like it's, it's something that could, it's probably as old as time for all the changes of the position. The ability to be there, be set and b square still remains that sort of the key to the whole thing
4: well, exactly. It allows you to to be a goalie. um you know if you're if you're moving, drifting, whether it's forward, backwards, sideways, when the when the puck comes, you're not really capable of of executing a save because if you're moving forward and you go down, you know everything drops forward and your hands come in. If you're moving backwards, it's the same thing. everything drops and your hands come in. And it kind of hurts you, hurts your ability to, to just be, be the person that you are. And what, however, you're going to make that save when your feet are set and you're square, you're, you're able to execute the save. However, you're going to execute the save. And we're all different that way. Everyone makes saves differently, but it allows you to be who you are. And I think, you know, if you, you can, you can look at any goalie, any style. And when their feet are set and they're square, especially the best guys in the world, they're stopping pucks. And when they're not, if you can, you can probably watch And you know, there's a little bit of uh, a little bit off angle, a little bit flat feet are moving a little bit and this just doesn't allow your body to, to do what, uh, what, what it's meant to do.
1: The other one that, uh, when you first went from, uh, Arizona, Minnesota started that started that big run in, in Minnesota, I think you played, what was it? 38 straight games. I wanted to ask you about this and I know the season hasn't started. Or it's just going to get started here. And, um, We don't know how it's going to play out, but I look at that schedule and first thing that comes to mind is, wow, there's going to be a lot of sort of split workloads and tandems, and that's a trend we've seen anyways. But the second thing I'm reminded of is your start in Minnesota and playing 38 straight games and being able to do it because you had three goalies there and every team's going to have three goalies. Now, do you think this is the year? And I guess maybe practice schedules will will dictate this. I don't know how much practice time there will be, but... This is finally the year where we're gonna get actual practice goalies and and more teams seeing the value of what you said way back in twenty fifteen.
4: Uh, I no, I don't think so. <laughs> no, I, oh no, I don't know. I don't know if uh, I don't know if the the uh, how it works rules wise with the with the taxi squad if that goalie is actually allowed to practice with the team or not. So that'll uh, be something that he is okay. I didn't know yeah. that. Then maybe we will. I think uh, I think we'll see that way i think it's important but it's but it's tricky too because you look at uh you know who's going to be the practice goalie. i mean obviously we know this year with the with the taxi squads every team's got to have a third goalie but going forward i mean excuse me that's a difficult situation for these young kids or whoever it is whoever the third goalie is i mean they're they're skipping a year more or less they're, they're just not going to play they're going to be here and and practicing and, and that's in most teams i mean every every team now has basically got a, a third goalie who is ready and capable to to come up and play when need be a lot of times that's going to be a younger guy you know your next you're kind of next up and comer in the in the organization and you can't really have them being Sitting there right. just to practice you need them you need them down playing and developing so i agree i think it's a great thing to have but I don't know if anybody's found the the solution as to who that person is. And I don't know if teams want to pay a guy a salary to, to be, to be a third goalie.
1: Well, and the other part is tends to be NHL shooters don't want to shoot on the local college guy either. A lot of the times.
4: No, I mean, they're not, they're not going to approach it the same way. Uh, You know, they want to see their, their, their things played out against somebody who they're going to, they're going to shoot against. So, you know, it's fine for a fill in here and there, but, I don't think practice every day. Um, you know, they want somebody who's who hasn't played for played competitively for 5 5 or 6 years or something like that, but uh like I said, that's that's the trickiest part is is who is that who is that person that's the third goalie and and how does it work? So uh, that's why that's the only reason I say I don't think we're there yet.
1: Okay, but it, in theory though, having been through that that year, was that like was that what allowed you to do that? The fact that you could Pick your spots with yeah. managing your time?
4: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, gosh, I think back to that year there was a stretch between I want to say probably a month and a half that I that I had that I practiced uh like a practice on a day that wasn't a game, uh, maybe twice in in like a month and a half. And again, I was fortunate that we we had three goalies on the roster. So uh, you know, those days you come in. And we were playing every other day plus back to back, so you'd come in, and a lot of guys, you know, guys would take the option. But if seventy five, you know, if you're two goalies on the roster, and seventy five percent of the guys are going out for an optional skate, you're going to go on the ice. It's just the way it is because you're not going to leave, you know, seventy five percent of your team out there to have a one goalie practice, or you're not going to be able to sleep at night. Or I don't know, maybe you can, and that's good for you, but (laughs) I wouldn't (laughs) be able to. Um, and so, but I never had to worry about that because we had two goalies. So every time, you know, I was told not to go on the ice, there wasn't uh it wasn't never, it was never a, hey, do you want to go out? It was just, I wasn't going out. That was just the way it was.
1: And, and I guess the other part too, is you could still, even on a daily practice, you get the work you want or you feel you need with your goalie coach in. But maybe not have to stay because let, let's be honest, like the reality of a lot of team practices, there are elements of that where all you're doing is going up and down and working, but not necessarily working on your game or your things. They're they're not always goalie focused. Is that fair? Not,
4: yeah, not you mean not ever goalie focused.
1: OK,
3: yeah. There we go. <laughs>
4: <laughs> ever. So, no, and it was nice because then because what I would do is so I'd, I'd pregame skate, play the game and then the next day go into the rink. You know, do whatever meetings, do your maintenance, do your off ice stuff. Go home next day, pregame skate, play the game. And the nice thing with pregame skate is the guys actually, for the most part, will will shoot from the angles and and from a little further out. So you can really, you know, all those things I was talking about being set and square and 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 watching pucks. Like pregame skate gives you a pretty good opportunity to do that. So you can all I could almost work on. Uh, not even work on, just, just make sure I was sharp in those simple areas in pregame skate. And that was like my practice time and pregame skate was, you know, it's 15 minutes every morning and you go and, and make sure you're sharp on what you need to be sharp on then get off the ice. And then mentally as well, you know, you're, you're sharp on the things you need to be sharp on. Then you go play games and then you just get into kind of a, a flow and a, a routine of that. Uh, so you don't get the, like you said, you know, sometimes there's practices where where guys need to work on on skills and and high percentage plays that that it's fine. But um, you know, when they're when they're undefended and, and not really giving you a chance to actually read off of off of a play that would happen in front of you, sometimes you can build bad habits, especially when you're when you're just kind of hammering reps out over and over and over again. So um, I was able to use that time in pregame skate to kind of sharpen up, make sure I stayed. On top of what I needed to do.
1: And I think those are the instances where, you know, I, I know I'm the guy that hammers the practice goalie thing a lot. It's become my thing. But I think those are the instances where you can probably save guys a lot of, you know, unnecessary wear and tear by by keeping, by having an option for those types of reps and drills for the skaters so that the goalie isn't, you know, doing 150 up and downs while it's happening.
4: Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's hard on the body. Let's, let's be honest. Yeah. And also, guys shoot the puck pretty hard now, so you can you can avoid some uh, some sore uh, bumps and bruises as well from from practice shots that that aren't really necessary if you're uh, if you're playing every other day on a on a stretch run with twenty games to go.
1: You practice club guy?
4: Uh yes and no. So I'm kind of in between because I find like I've had I've had some issues with my with my hand just with with getting beat down. Uh, with pucks I broke my thumb last year uh, right before he we went to the bubble actually um, the issue I find with the practice glove is that you can't close it for the most part so uh, you know not all of us are, are Curtis Joseph or Henrik Lundqvist who can go out there and snag pucks somehow without without ever closing your hand it's an impressive skill um, but not all of us can do that and so I found the longer I would wear the practice glove, all of a sudden I get into like warm ups in a game with my game glove and I wasn't closing my hand because you get so used to like you can't close the glove because it's so stiff and built up. And then, you know, then I'd be like, yeah, hey, I can't wear this practice glove anymore because it's becoming a bad habit of me not closing my hand. You're just slapping pucks away like it's a frying pan.
1: Or like I play golf.
4: Yeah. <laughs> Me sometimes too. It's all right. <laughs>
1: um, well that's it that's interesting. I mean that kind of goes back to the whole practice thing. If you do something enough, even though you're not thinking of you do, do it enough, it can become a bad habit.
4: Yeah, and and yeah, you get into practice and you get enough reps of, you know, if guys are cutting to the cutting to the slot and shooting from six, eight feet away. Well, probably further than six feet away, but if they're you know, they're ripping it from close, you're not really being patient you know, that's a, that's a great a plus plus you're, you don't have time to react. So you're, you're just, you're making saves, which is great. And you're stopping, you know, you're trying to get a piece of equipment on it, but you're not really executing what you want to be doing. That's going to help you play a game, which is all the things we just talked about, because you're just basically playing these a plus chances over and over and over again, which can develop you into bad habits and opening up sometimes pulling away you know especially if you're if you're getting hit with a few up high in the arms or whatever you start to you start to pull away a little bit and then that becomes a habit that you certainly don't want to be taken into a game
1: we talked about practice clubs i got to ask you about gear i was going to ask you about the evolution of the game the evolution of your game what about the evolution of gear like if i had handed 15 year old devin dubnik a set of these new bauer pads and you'd put them on and watched rebounds come off them what would have been the reaction or even just oh, holding I mean, them in the weight
4: yeah, it's insane. Well, I remember the first time I, uh, when I first put them on and you start, even just the way they slide around. Like I remember when I first started using them in Minnesota for, uh, for the first bit, I was like, you almost felt like you're out of control um, just because the they, they slid so well on the ice. And then, yeah, the rebounds and the, the lightweight is, is it's just crazy. And I mean, you get used to it, but I mean, if I took uh, my, my two pads probably weigh as much as one that I wore in my last year at junior i wore the old uh, rbk ones they were 12 inches wide and 39 inches tall and had 800 leather buckles on the back and those things one of those probably weighed as much as both of my pads do now
1: um that that evolution the other part of it and we we were waiting on on instagram on like we got to get sharks photographers to start snapping the goalies below the mask because we're getting all these great shots of the mask and all the all the, all the gear, well, goalie gear nerd and all the, all our fellow gear geeks on, on Twitter and Instagram, were are just waiting, waiting. Style matters, man. We've seen the, we've seen the new, what's that process? Like, you know, you got a new design, you got a new graphic. I know it's not the end all be all at this stage of your career, but you still get kind of jazzed to see that for the first time after you go through a design process.
4: Yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot of fun and it's a lot more, uh, uh, creative now with the way Bauer is able to to uh you know print the the skins on their pads so um i've the last how i don't know three four years i've worked with a graphic designer that, that works with bauer and it's fun and he's great he knows he kind of knows what i like to see now but i mean even this year we were working on stuff in playoffs so actually we were doing the minnesota colors um everybody asked me it, with the new stuff if i was trying to make it look like shark fins Cause it kind of does, which is funny because that's, that's not what I was trying to do because I actually had that set made up in Minnesota colors <laughs> originally, just cause I like the design. Um, but it's fun because I mean, he'll send me like this past time. I bet you he sent me eight different graphics in five different colors, combinations of every graphic. And then, you know, I can look at them and be like, I like this one and this one. I like this one, but maybe, you know, take this part away or, or change this color on here. And he's like, yeah, sure. No problem. And 12 hours later, I've got a Photoshop picture of myself wearing these pads in a game. And so he actually sends
1: you, it's not just like a template of the pads. He's actually sending you shots of you in action in them. I like that.
4: Yeah. It's yeah. It's crazy how he can do it. And it looks, I mean, it's, it's nuts how real it looks. Um, and I mean, he sent me one, of the San Jose ones, like before I'd ever played a game in San Jose, like he photoshopped the jersey on there and literally everything. So the uh the process has definitely changed a lot over the years. So it's uh, but it's still a lot of fun to, to come up with, with those graphics and with something new too. I just like you know, it's cool, they do a good job with graphics and stuff, but it's fun to kind of have your own thing and not just have a variation of what every other goalie that that wears the stuff is wearing. And you know, some guys don't really care for it and don't want to do it. Um, But I like to, you know, I think it's fun to kind of have my own set that no one else is wearing what I'm wearing because we came up with the design ourselves. Well, Um, I shouldn't say that I didn't come up with any design, but I, I I green lighted the design by a creative artist.
1: (laughs) There's no graphic design in Devin Dubnik's future.
4: (laughs) No, 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 definitely not.
1: No, it's funny. Were you a gear guy growing up? Like who? And, 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 Two-parter, who was your guy? Like, growing up in Regina, who was the goalie that you were, like, you watched, you emulated at the end of the driveway if you were playing street hockey or when you got onto the ice? Like, was there a guy that, like, this was him, this was posters on the bedroom wall? And was gear ever associated with it or was just about the goalie?
4: Oh, it was a little bit of everything. Um, Before I was a goalie, it was Felix Potman because you know how unreal his pads were. I mean, those were probably... Right from the, the the uh blue and white ones. Those were my first pair of pads. I'm pretty sure they were like road hockey pads that I was wearing on the ice, but they were the they were the Coho Felix Potvin with the white cat claws on the bottom. Sweet. Um you know, and then and then he went to the he went to the black with the blue on the bottom, which were with the cat eye on the knee, which were unreal. Um, uh, but I always thought his pads were just incredible. Um, and then when I became a goalie, I was big, big uh Curtis Joseph fan. Um I loved his loved his helmet, obviously, the classic uh with Cujo on there. Uh but he always had some some uh unreal stuff. Like his his pads in Edmonton, the Louisville's with the with the uh like mouth, the open mouth on them, um in the copper color was always pretty pretty awesome. So he was a guy that I like to to watch, uh just you know, super entertaining and athletic guy. Um always fun to watch and, and I was kind of just becoming a goalie then too. And, and, uh, you know, I tell, I tell Freddie Brathwaite this, he was, he was my favorite goalie, uh, in Calgary because he was playing for Calgary at the time when I was, a when I was, a in my early teenage years and, and another guy that was super fun to watch and, and cheering for the, for the home team. I really liked to watch him. So, um, I've, I've got a chance to get to know him a little bit and told him that, uh, told him that story, told him I had to I have a, a signed picture, jersey, stick—all Freddie Brathwaite stuff—and and from when I was a kid. And, and uh, he didn't believe me when I told him. But uh, yeah, I had it all. He was—I uh, had the, the full setup of Freddie Brathwaite on my wall, and it was fun because at our Net Three Hundred and Sixty camp there a couple years back when Freddie was there, I—I uh, I got my parents to bring the uh, Freddie stick that I had. Um, that I'd gotten from Rich Preston was a coach and I pl- with an assistant coach in Calgary and I played with his son, um, played peewee with his son. And so he, that's how I got the Freddie stick sign in the first place. My parents brought it down and I brought it to the rink and got him to personalize it for me. And then he asked if I'd sign a stick for him. So it was a pretty, uh, pretty cool little, little, uh, roundabout way from me getting an autograph on a, on a Koho revolution stick when I was like 13 years old.
1: Oh, that's an awesome story. And quick shout out to Fred Brathwaite, who just got hired by the Vegas Golden Knights to be their a h l development goalie coach. So he's one of our favorites too, and been on the show. and quick shout out to him. Does that with stories like that and memories like that? I've seen you around kids at that night three sixty camp when uh, you know you've you've had an absolute bagger. You've been through like you know an hour with a friend, an hour and a half on the ice, but you always stop for the kids to sign stuff like, Does having those memories make you that much more, you know, sort of aware of the type of impact you can have as a professional athlete on these kids?
4: Yeah, I mean, it's a little bit of both. It's one one you do it because they're kids, and that's you know what you do. It's part of it is you just it's fun to see to see the looks on their faces and the excitement you get. But every once in a while, you do you remind yourself of of what that means, and it it like you, you probably I mean Freddie probably signed that stick and had no clue who was going to and just you know signed it because because rich preston asked him to sign it for a family friend and then you know sticks with me for my whole life i end up bringing it back so you get personalized. you know you just you just don't know and it's things that you don't you don't think it's a big deal but but for these kids i mean it could be a, a two-minute interaction and they might remember it for the rest of their life and those are those are extremely important things and but like i said along with that i mean just they're kids that's what that's that's what it's about you see the look on their faces and the and how they feel and and the way they look up to you and this is a uh, you know a, a enjoyable a positive part of the game that that you just you got to take those moments and enjoy it because you don't realize uh the effect it has until you look back and and remember when you were a kid i got a i wrote a letter to felix potman and got a picture uh signed back that was probably signed by his like pr agent and probably wasn't even signed by him but but it was i remember he's with because the pads and uh, i think it was like a school project or something you had to like write a letter to your favorite uh athlete or something so i wrote a letter we were we were in we, like we just moved from toronto and we were so i wrote a letter to felix potman and got a got a signed uh like four by six I don't think it was a Polaroid. It wasn't that long ago, but it was, it was a a four by six photo that was signed by Felix Botman. So, you know, you remember that stuff and even where we are are now, I mean, there it's good memories and you want to be able to provide that for as many kids as you can.
1: when did you start in goal? Like you're sharing these memories of when you're a kid, like, were you always a goalie? Did you, cause we see kids now seven, eight years old. Like what would your be, you know, if your son decides, I know I remember this summer, I think he was heading out for one of his first skates. He comes to you at a certain age and says dad I want to be a goalie like is there a point where you're like no I just want you to go play and learn the position and learn the game by being a forward two or are you saying hey yeah goalie by you know if that's what you love do it whenever
4: I think it's important to I started when I was uh I want to say I was nine I might have been ten I think I was nine though and uh you know I remember uh, telling my dad I wanted to be a goalie and he said and he was, said not a chance Am I might be a goalie um and so I worked on him over the summer and. And, uh, he, uh, finally agreed that I, that I could go half and half. I could play, half, you know, every other game as the goalie and I'd play in the whole season as the goalie. I think I played one, one season as a player, but I think it's important when the kids are young, you shouldn't stick them in goal too early because, you know, a big part of being a goalie, it's funny when you go, you know, my son's seven. And when you go and watch the games, they just, they all rotate in, in and out. Um, but the best goalies are the best skaters. Like when they, when you stick for the most part. When one of the better players in the team ends up in the net, he tends to be the one of the better goalies strictly because he's a good skater. And so you have to be, you know, the kids have to play and learn how to skate and, and play the game instead of, because if you just stick them in the net, especially at the young age where there's not a ton of work, a ton of shots, you know, it's a lot of standing around you want them to, to learn how to skate and how to play and enjoy, you know, all of it rather than just stick him in it in early but um I don't know that's that's just the way I looked at it and like I said I started when I was nine or ten so I wasn't uh I wasn't old by any means but I wasn't you know stuck in there when I was six or seven years
1: old did you uh like at what point did it become something that you're just doing for fun to like where when did you start thinking about things like bantam drafts and when did you have your first goalie coach and when did it become something that is like yeah, damn. Hey, like this. I love it and I'm pretty good at it and we're going to yeah, be having so this I, conversation I was, 20 years later.
4: Yeah, I mean, I I started. I was pretty bad when I started. Um, but was uh it didn't really seem to bother me. I was just enjoyed it and and uh, you know, my dad would tell me after that uh he really know he just noticed how quick how quickly I caught on to it and like how much I improved quickly and there's you know, I I remember watching a video like a home video of of me what like my first game when i played and and was terrible and then four months later i was playing like selects summer hockey and like the the difference between then and four months later was was crazy and that's when my dad was like okay you can play you can you can stay in net because obviously you know you can you're you're pretty good at it and and but i i mean even i remember the bantam draft like I used to watch the junior players, the the WHL. I was in Calgary by then when I um, was playing. And I mean, the the WHL to me was like the NHL. Like, you know, you go there, they got the half visors and it's grown men out there. And like, and then I remember my dad, I was, I was just out on a walk with my dad. And he told me that like the next year I was going to be up for the WHL draft. I was 13 years old because they draft at 14. And I, I couldn't even wrap my head around it. I was like, No, those are grown men. Like, what are you talking about?" And and then the fall, and then same thing. Like, I didn't really know that that how good, like how good I was at playing. Because you're just playing; you're just the kid. And like, you know, there wasn't really internet. I mean, there was, but it's not the same now. So, you're, like, I don't know. And then and then not, I was. You're anxious. not
1: breaking down film on the dial-up.
4: No, and exactly. And then I was, I was like the, the first goalie taken the WHL draft in the second round or something. And then that's when it, I was like, holy smokes. Like it, I, it blew my mind. Like I could not believe I was the first goalie taken in, in this draft. And then I was like, whoa, okay, maybe I'm doing something right here. <laughs> and so, so I went from there, but. I mean, even when I was a kid, it was funny. I, I, I just always, I would, you know, every kid says they're going to play in the NHL and they, they probably believe it. But I was always like, I I remember one day, my brother, uh, I was probably 12 or 13. And I asked my brother what team he was going to play on when he played in the NHL. And, and like, he laughed in my face. He's like, I'm not playing in the NHL. He's like, I'm not, it's like, I'm not even remotely good enough to play in the NHL. He's like, you know, artists is playing the NHL. He's like, no one plays in the NHL. I mean, innocent, but, kind of terrible speech from your older brother but very very innocent he meant it in the best way possible and uh it was funny though i just looked at him and i was like kind of confused and i said and i was like oh huh well i am and it was just like that was just like i honestly in my head just it was never and it was never like a like a cocky thing it was just like i always just like yeah um, it's fine i'm gonna do it though
1: that dream takes another step first round pick of the Edmonton Oilers. What do you have? What, what's your lasting draft memory when you look back at it now?
4: Well, I remember getting to, to go to the draft um, and then went with my, you know, my family came with me and stuff. And a uh, couple things, it was extremely nerve wracking. It was a little, little different being a goalie because there were only like certain teams that needed a goalie. So it was like, okay, this pick's coming up. This team might take you. Like, I think LA was the first team that was, they were, I think they were picking 11th and uh that was like the first team that needed, and then they didn't they, they didn't take me and then there was there was i think 12 and 13 were like you weren't going to get taken and then edmonton came up and then it was like all of a sudden you're shaking again and, and i'm going to edmonton but it was funny because i i I had contacts and wore glasses and and uh um my eyes were bugging me so i didn't want to wear my contacts but i didn't want to wear my glasses on the stage so <laughs> my, <laughs> my name got called and i went up there and was like blind as a bat like, like going going up going up the stairs like i'm holding the railing like looking at the stairs i'm seeing like four different stairs and going up shaking gary bettman's three different hands that he's holding out to me i'm like pick the one in the middle so last i oh, my last I've never my heard lasting that story. memory my lasting memory of uh of being up on stage at the draft is a was literally a blur
1: Oh, that's hilarious! I've never heard that story before. What um, early years Edmonton development like? If you had to go, like, what what what's your memories of that and and the process to becoming a pro and some of the people that had a big impact on you on the steps you took in those early years? Whether it's a fellow goalie in the American League, a coach with the Oilers, or 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 in their system, that sort of.
4: Well, I mean, it's it's funny because I think the thing you know, and I, I think it's talked about a lot, but you. Getting, I mean, getting drafted is great. Doesn't mean anything though. I mean, you think, and I, I was, I was guilty of it. I remember thinking, you know, drafted in the first round, perfect, like free lane highway, like onto the team. And then you, you realize, I mean, it's it's great, and you've you've been blessed with an opportunity. But that's all it is. This is an opportunity, and that, and I think that the benefit of getting drafted in the first round is that the team spent an asset on you. And a good one because it's a first-round pick. And so they're going to do everything they can to have you succeed. Doesn't mean you're just going to automatically be there, but you're going to get extra looks. You're going to get extra opportunities. So you're earned, in you earned the draft pick. You're in the right to to have an opportunity, but you still got to take it. And you don't know when it's going to be there, or when, when that time's going to come. There's no way of knowing. You usually don't even know that that opportunity came until you look back on it and then you realize, you know, there were some pivotal moments that worked out that you, you know, were able to perform at, at those times that, you know, then open up the door to, to kind of continue on. But, but you can't look at it that way because if you're, if you're approaching it and you're thinking like every single practice you get into is like a make or break opportunity, you, you know, you're going to freeze yourself. You're going to paralyze yourself and think that you, you just can't, you can't go into it thinking that, you know, every single puck that comes at you is is life or death in your career. Um, but you just have to prepare and work and and play and have fun. And then like I said, it's more looking back on it and you realize some some pretty pivotal moments that allowed you to to get in and get break into the league and have a career. As far as guys, I think Pete Peters was the goalie coach in Edmonton when I was there and, and he was a he was just incredible for me. Um, couple reasons. One, he was like a dad, you know, he, he treated you like, like, yeah, he was, he was a little bit older, but just one of the sweetest, nicest men you'll ever meet in your life. And he'd treat you like his kid. And in, you know, the same way, like he'd give you crap if you weren't working or, or weren't doing what you're supposed to do, but literally cared about you. Like you were his kid, which as a, you know, 19, 20, 21 year old is a pretty nice feeling to have when you, when you have your goalie coach feel like he's he literally cares about you like you're his kid um it's pretty good support to have and and technically with him i mean he he gave me my the foundation that i've played my entire career on and in, in patience and how to how to let the puck move first and and not never be ahead of the puck i mean obviously we get ahead of the puck at times but usually you get burnt but he literally hammered it in every single day. It was just, just drills just down the wall, you know, up across the slot and just being patient and letting the puck move first. And because, you know, allowing your momentum, it's easy to make that if they, if they try to go, uh, far side, if they're cutting across or if they're coming down the wall, I mean, they want to shoot short side, all your momentum's moving that way. Anyway, you're already, you're moving down the wall. So you can, you can be late short side and, it's mad you're naturally going to push into it if you get ahead of it and he goes back the other way your momentum's going left you're not going back right you're going to get burned and so he really hammered that over and over and over into me it's just that patience and me allowing plays to happen in front of me and, and then moving and uh that was a that was a huge part for me and then and then when i got up uh up to the nhl Freddie shabbat was there and it was kind of a perfect transition because he's a he's a great technical guy and so he kind of built my foundation of of technical stuff you know working on vh and reverse vh and different plays different plays behind the net goal line stuff like that all the technical stuff we started to really hammer on so i had a nice uh nice transition that way
1: and right, it's too bad I, I gotta say i was kind of hoping that you and him would get reunited in in minnesota this year With congratulations to him on the job with the wild and you know, I had a chance to, again, in Kelowna, be with him on the ice at Net360 with him and you and watch him work. And it was uh, it was it was impressive. I I, I learned a lot. So kind of kind of I was kind of looking forward to that. I guess it kind of that's the one yeah. other downside of getting traded.
4: Yeah, no, it was funny. We had a we had a brief like two weeks there where we thought we were going to be reunited. and It was over. But fortunately for me, I get uh, I landed with Nabby here, who's who's uh, who's pretty awesome as well. So um, I was lucky, lucky that way. Uh, but now Freddie's Freddie's very knowledgeable and, and just about one of the most passionate guys uh, about the position that you'll come across. So he's uh, certainly wish him the best there and I'm sure he's going to be great at it.
1: Hockey Canada, uh, just uh, last couple here that their influence on you. Um, I know you were at the world juniors in 2006 here in Vancouver, actually um, with Justin Poggi, Uh Spengler cup win in 2012. You played in world championships. What have those opportunities meant? I know you know, you, you were very, uh, keen to give back this summer, uh, did a, you know, I happened to be on that call when you did the presentation to the kids. And I know that meant a lot to, including kids that were at the world juniors this year in terms of the experiences and sharing much like this, um, you know, some lessons that you'd learned over the years. What, uh, what does hockey Canada mean to you?
4: Oh, it's, I mean, it's, it, they've been everything for me The the experiences that I've had, um, you know, even from before, from, uh, the uh Canada Winter Games Team Alberta I know it's not hockey canada but it's all still built into it and then and then under 18s um
1: what's it like the first time you put that jersey on with the with the with the maple leaf on it you
4: remember oh, that? it oh it's just yeah it was it was at under 18s actually um and we were over in in Czech Republic and um just a, an incredible experience and Um, you know, it was a good, it was a good, that was a kind of another learning thing for me where, where I thought, you know, I thought I was just going to be handed the reins to, to play. And, and, uh, you know, I wasn't and, and didn't deserve to, uh, didn't, didn't play well enough to be handed the reins, but just kind of went in a little bit, made the team and went in a little bit, just thinking that, you know, I'd had a great Canada winter games and going into it and thinking, you know, I was going to be the guy just because. 'cause I was the naive and and the little puke teenager. But <laughs> um, you know, I that was a good lesson for me in that first one where where I didn't play. And then when I did play, I was not good at all. And I was and then, you know, you leave there and it's like, okay, well, yeah, you're not just gonna get it handed to you. This is a you know pretty pretty big stage and big competition. So then I was able to go back to the U eighteens uh at the end of the year after after the season was over and went in just with a much much better mentality uh that I was just going to work and and play my ass off to to get that to play and get that spot and I had a I had a way better tournament and played almost all the games at that tournament. So that was that was my first experience and then the World Juniors in Vancouver was incredible. I didn't didn't play any games but just you know being a part of it and being a part of that group. Obviously being in Vancouver was just insane. Um and then you know going over to world championships that's a pretty awesome tournament um you know just the way hockey canada treats everybody too is is pretty pretty incredible and and i've had some some of the best experiences things that that looking back on uh just just going places and seeing things around the world and and getting to play in these places and uh you know just things that i never would have dreamed of getting the chance to do and and to be able to do that Four times at the world championships is just something looking back on that, that, you know, never would have had the opportunity to ever, ever do those kinds of things without that. And there are things that I'll, uh, certainly never, ever forget.
1: Last one. Um, we talked about the evolution from being a young kid, some of the different voices over the years, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you about the past few years. Um, obviously biased because I've had a chance to be there and film some of it, but just what's changed, um, working with Lyle in the summers in terms of where that's fit into your game. I know it's something I've written about in the past, perhaps a little prematurely once, um, made some, made some headlines there and you, uh, you created the some stories for you.
3: Um,
1: so what, like what, if, you know, if, because people ask, probably ask you about it still, what, like where, how do you view that tor- like the tracking and the trajectory and that type of stuff? Where does it fit into your game? And how would you best describe your understanding of it to say a young goalie who was trying to wrap his head around the concepts?
4: Yeah. So, I mean, it's a big foundation. It's funny. You you mentioned that I remember waking up the morning and in, in the middle of that run in Minnesota, and I had all these interview requests about this head tracking and I didn't even like understand it at this time. I got like the most brief description of it and was like trying to incorporate it into my game, like in my own mind, what I thought it meant. And then all of a sudden I had like, four interviews in a day that I was supposed to talk about this head tracking that I knew nothing about. And I was like, it was, it was pretty overwhelming. I'm like, I don't know what to say. Um, But I think it's like, it's like anything. I think it's, it's like a foundation of your game. And I think if you watch, you know, I've kind of always said, I think all, all goalies, especially at the top level track well for when they're playing well and when they're moving well. And it's about understanding what it is when you're, when you are on it when you're, and when you're tracking and when you're not. And I think, that's the biggest thing with with lyle is 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 understanding what it was looking at at what it looks like when when i'm doing it properly looking at what it looks like when i'm not kind of how everything unravels if if you're not tracking properly compared to when you are um and then and then really with him is is understanding how it really incorporates every single part of your game from net plays to to movement up high to like it's 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 everything so it's it's the constant learning thing for me as well to continue to understand and to feel how in each and every different scenario that that ability to to get properly set to follow the puck you know let the puck go first watch it with your eyes your head and then move into it. And then when you're not, you know, you're, you're, you're pulling back, you're opening up and it's that split second delay. And that's kind of what Lyle hammers in. really is that is eliminating the delay, that split second. And it might, might not burn you this time, might not burn you next time, but eventually it's going to, it's going to cost you. And you might not even know it cost you, but you can run the tape back, you know, five, six, seven seconds before the goal went in and see where it all started. And so it's fun because it's a never-ending process to to try to figure out, to try to perfect it. And I know for a fact I won't perfect it at any point before I'm done playing. But you got to keep trying. And uh, it, it's another one of those things like you talk about having your feet set and how it allows you to be a goalie and play. Kind of the same concept is it's a foundation. And if you and if you get that foundation of properly tracking, then it allows you to to be there, be quicker, be set, and be able to execute what what you want to do and the way you want to do it.
1: It's it's funny because I know you love to watch a lot of hockey. So then the second question is after that and after learning it, because the article came out based on a conversation with you and you had sort of learned it or touched on it with with Stephen Valaket at a camp in Vail. I think that's how it came to be. But then you learn it the next summer or you you get on the ice with Lyle. Watching hockey after that, do you watch the goalie's the same way or especially in the early stages where you're always seeing that on off? Because yeah, I know I other guys yeah. I couldn't stop like you once you see it it's hard not to see it everywhere.
4: Yeah, and it's interesting because you know, if you if you see where a guy is, you know, right on it and then he gets turned off, you can you can see it right away. And it and then like you said, it's like something once you, you can't unsee it. So then it's like, you, yeah, then you definitely, you, you continue to watch for it. and But you can see, I mean, when guys are moving, when guys are moving quick and clean and crisp and, and their save executions are crisp, it's like you watch and they're on it. And then, you know, you, you see, and if a guy's seems to be scrambling, maybe he's not getting scored on, but just little out of sorts and scrambling and, and, you know, maybe pucks are just missing the, And then you can watch and you're, you can see, you can see the difference in the same guy. And so it's, again, it's, it's a fun thing to watch and, and interesting. Like I said, maybe these, these kids nowadays are pretty talented. So when I'm, when I'm uh, old and wrinkly and my back doesn't work anymore and I'm done playing, I'll take one, take one of these talented kids and tell them what I know.
1: Sounds like a future. Sounds like a future that uh, you could, I I like, I know how passionate you are about the position, whether it's broadcast, whether it's coaching, whatever you want to do, I know that opportunity will be there for you. Most of all though, I want to thank you for spending almost an entire hour with me. Not just on behalf of our audience, because I really enjoyed this to the point where I lost track of time, and I know they will too. But after that whole first article, the fact you still have my number and, or, or accept calls from me is sincerely appreciated, because I do know you got inundated after that. So thanks, Doobie.
4: <laughs> Anytime. You know, it's my pleasure. He
0: has a house in San Jose. He just hasn't been to it yet. And there's no guarantee that he's going to see it for a while. And his family may not move. The plan was for the family to move to San Jose, but because they're in the holding pattern. And when do you make that choice because of school and all that kind of stuff? So it's a it's a really, it was already a really strange year. And then you add in something like this uh, for, for, for players and goaltenders. And uh, guys in the American Hockey League, ECHL have dealt with it forever. So they'll be rolling their eyes going, hey, just part of the gig. But uh, yeah, it's a, it's a, another one of those challenges for a, a veteran guy uh, trying to adapt to this COVID year.
1: Yeah, and it's, you know, it's funny because I've had this conversation with a few guys and they're not, they get it. Like, they're not looking, nobody's looking for sympathy. Not you know, like, no. not at all. Um, not in any way, shape or form. But I think, you know, I I thanked a guy um, that came through town here recently. they just, you know, having a conversation away from the rink by text. Like, you know, like, these guys are making sacrifices. If you got a young family at home and like, it's one thing to, you know, NHL players are on the road a lot and that's part of the job, but like to be gone for like two, three months, just like they were in the bubble, like that's a sacrifice so that we can have the season so that we can have hockey. So that for those of us who work in the industry can have jobs and, and collect checks. So, you know, I think sometimes we tend to forget that. And again, they're not looking for the sympathy. They're not looking for the kudos. Um, they're not trying to pretend they're heroes, but there is a sacrifice element here to making this season happen amid such odd circumstances. And, you know, I, frankly, I appreciate it as a guy who is getting paid to, you know, report on hockey games now and wasn't a month ago and wouldn't have been if they just, you know, decided to let this season pass. Um, I do. It's, uh, there. there is an element there that, that they're sacrificing to make this happen for the rest of ours entertainment. So, um, not, again, not looking for sympathy or not well, you've trying got to make mine. them heroes, but I think that uh, I appreciate it. Let's put it that way.
0: What have you been able to acquire content wise, uh, since you've been back at the rink, uh, since the season started up and for Ingold premium members?
1: Drills. We're back into drills. Yes. Yeah. You, um, which is nice. And it's not quite the same. I'll, I'll admit it's not quite the same as when we were at the rink last where I could be down against the glass, maybe even shooting from behind the glass, different angles, you know, twenty feet away from the goalies. Everything is bird's eye view. Um, as you know, Darren, they've kept a lot of separation between us and the media and the players. I'm just grateful to be in the rink again uh, and fully understand that they wanna maintain that degree of separation. Here in Vancouver, we've got separate entrances. We never cross paths with them. Everything is on Zoom. Um, so the ability to go into a room, talk gear, the ability to go in a room and discuss a particular save, just sort of you know, saddle up to a guy and have a conversation with him, that's gone. You can't ask those questions in the middle of a Zoom with 20 other media on them. But the drills were able to film from bird's eye view. Uh, we're able to sort of um, get some things that we can share at In-Goal Premium. And then with a lot of the guys able to have conversations with the goalie coaches about the whys and the keys, as we had with Stefan Waite this year, to those drills sort of behind the scenes and 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 outside of that uh, you know, official media Zoom environment. We can get them one-on-one and get a guy like Jake Allen and talk about what he's working with on this breakaway drill. Uh, a couple other drills that we'll have here that we'll share uh, with everyone. We'll have some more. The Senators are in town right now. Filmed some drill work with them the other day. I'll be able to talk to Pierre Gru. who has been very good for, for us over the years and, and share those drills with everyone else. So it's nice to sort of be back to pro drills with NHL goalies and have some fresh content. Uh, look for at least one of those uh, pretty much on a weekly basis moving forward here. Um, you know, going to feature a lot of Canadian teams, uh, but the good news is that's a lot of good goaltenders and, uh, good goaltending coaches that have, uh, we've built relationships with that have been happy to help us out with the what's and the why's and, and how to do it. One final question for Hutch. Uh, if
0: I call Cam and, uh, inquire about what he has available for stock, do they sell shovels? Because I need today, I need a shovel. It snowed. In Las Vegas overnight. We are so jealous. And we have legitimate, we have legitimate accumulation today. And it's, it's, it's piled up around the pool and I have, I need a shovel to, to, to plow a path so I can get into the pool. You Here guys. we
2: are, Vegas talking to two guys up in Canada and you've got snow and we don't. <laughs> that is not fair. I know, fair. it's weird, doesn't it?
1: It's it's not, it's not right. And the pool's probably still like eighty-five degrees, so we can just hop right in with all this snow around them. All right, tough life down there in Vegas.
0: <laughs> Do you know how much I'm losing to evaporation and steam <laughs> right now? Like it's 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 just not it's right. That snow is not gonna make yeah. up for it. Thanks to Censorino VR and the hockey shop, thehockeyshop.com Source for Sports Surrey, and as well to Hutch and Woody for shepherding us so long on this great goalie journey. Devin Dubnik. An hour with a National Hockey League goaltender in the middle of a pandemic and the start of a regular season. You get that access in one place, and it is right here on In Goal Radio, the podcast.